We are in for a real special treat today. Thursday night was awesome. Uh, we believe, like Pastor Kristen said, we believe in missions. And so we always shoot for every quarter at least 10% of our income to go right off the top to missions. And so we often say that uh, every year it, it could actually become a very substantial amount. But every quarter when we are talking with our accountants, both in Columbus and those locally, we don't want to encourage you to give your first fruits if the church doesn't give their first fruits. And so we don't pay our bills and then give what's left to missions. We like to put missions in the kingdom of God and our giving at the top. And so over the years, we now have two pages. We have two pages of missions and outreaches and charities. And uh, I'm grateful for everything that we are able to support and do. One of my favorites, not that I should have favorites, but it's true. Uh, is a couple that I met uh, almost 10 years ago uh, that that we crossed paths and they began to share their heart, their vision, uh, the mission with us. We were only running a couple hundred people and we committed a monthly amount and since then it has grown and we've added and we've increased and we've revisited and they've continued to do unbelievable things. Over the years, we've also uh, helped them on numerous projects where they've said, we need X amount of dollars for this, or we have this outreach, and we have always tried our best to step up for this family. You saw their three boys on the stage as part of the worship team today, 19, 17, 13. Uh, I've watched the boys grow up. They love StorySide. We love them. We love what God's doing in Venezuela. Would you honor uh, missionary Dan Arce as he comes to the stage today? Hey, StorySide, how's everybody doing today? I hope you are pumped up, as pumped up as I am. Uh, I, I got to say, before we even get going, thank you so, so much for everything StorySide has been a part of, not only our lives and a personal level, but our ministry down in Venezuela. My wife, Lucy, is here with me. I, I couldn't do nothing without my God and my wife, and uh, God knows that's true, and my wife knows how true it is that I need God, and I hope you understand that. But the fact is this, this morning I want to take a quick minute, and before I even start off, I want to show you, I want to take you with me to Venezuela just for a few, about six, seven minutes. I want you to see the reality of what's going on. Um, matter of fact, what you're going to see is not even 10% of the full scope of what's happening in Venezuela, but I want you to understand this, no matter how hard things get, God seems to just be above it all. And so please enjoy, but I want you to notice this last part when we talk about the concert. So before I even show it to you, I want you guys to know it was all you. So enjoy that, and I'll come right back and tell you a little bit more about it. Have you ever wondered how starving people eating from the trash riots every day, how this became normal? It's simple. Socialism will destroy any nation. Every single day, lying on the streets of many places in Venezuela, people will wait for hours and days just to get food. This is a line for gasoline. Hours 
driving about one minute before I started there no gas and no electricity. Human rights violations occur every single day all over Venezuela. There's no one to stop it. There's no one to go to when you see it happen. A few policemen stopped this couple. They beat the husband up while the wife's purse was stolen in broad daylight. No one dares to speak out. Everyone's afraid because they know they will be abused, they will be beat up or incarcerated just for having a different opinion. things that you've been seeing are not only occurring in the country, but they're happening to my family and I as well. Every day we face the battle of not having electricity, of having no running water, having to get water out of an underground tank to shower, to wash dishes. We have people come to our home, please can we wash clothes, please can we cook, please can we eat. My wife makes food and meals many times a day for people that come, and that's difficult. These are the things my family and I face each and every day. This and much more. You've heard the facts, and yes, it's bad. It's really happening. But our God has shown us again and again that he's a God above our reality, and he can do things we can't. And to be honest, there's sometimes he can see things that we can't. And the fact is, our family is as human as you are. And even we have doubted at times what God can do. God has allowed us to plant the Iglesia Punto de Encuentro, un lugar donde Cristo es el centro. It all means the Gathering Point Church, a place where Jesus Christ is the center. It all started in 2014 when we invited one family to our home. From one family it became several families, and from several families to dozens. Month after month, more and more, came to hear the word of Christ. Today, with two services, we have a little over 300 members. We also have a very dynamic children's ministry that throughout the year brings God's word into the lives of so many children. Our youth ministry is one of the most exciting. We have two main events per week, the Saturday Youth Connection and the Sunday Youth Ministry. These ministries are designed so that each one of our teenagers can be discipled by one of our volunteers so we can make sure that the generation that comes behind us will follow Christ. The church is growing so much that we're now having camps during the year for men, women, teenagers. Each one of these camps are for a week long 
And we are seeing lives changed. We are seeing marriages come back together. We are seeing families being restored, rebuilt. Last year, my dad came up with a crazy idea. And when I say crazy, it's really because no one really thought it could be done when he first mentioned it. Even I was not sure how we could do it. We didn't have the money to do it. We didn't know where we would do it. We didn't even know what was the first step. And I think my dad didn't either. But I've seen God lead my dad so many times in the things that seemed impossible, yet God made them happen over and over again. But wait, then my dad said, why don't we do it in three cities? Three cities? For real? That's crazy. Yes, it's crazy, but we did it. And in three weeks, we reached three cities. Sanare, Guanare, and Cabudare. Over 15,000 people heard the gospel. We brought Christmas and we reminded them that Jesus was the reason to celebrate Christmas. They were all invited to our church for our next day service and we greeted thousands of people that morning. Over 1,500 gifts were handed out that morning through the loving effort of many churches and ministry partners back home in the States. Folks, thank you, because when you're praying for us, you have no idea what God is doing on the mission field. Thank you for always thinking about us. I want to thank you for your prayers, day and night. Thank you for partnering with our family. We are the RC family, your missionaries to Venezuela. I need to say, now it's my turn. You guys, literally, you guys, story side, sent thousands of dollars and we were able to rent the stage, the lights, the platforms. We were able to hire a local Christian uh, uh, band that played local Christmas music. It's called Gaita. And uh, this group is really phenomenal. They, they play this ukulele-looking like instrument. It's got four strings. It's called a cuatro, which means four. That's bright, isn't it? You know? What's that instrument called? Four? Cool beans. All right. Uh, so they play that, the harp. Um, they've got these uh, goat leather drums uh, and a bamboo stick in it, and it does some awesome sounds. This this group goes around, and, and they have 
they don't, they don't know how to work social media. They don't know how to do stuff. So I, I called them and I said, listen, I want to help you guys out, but I want you to help me get the message of the name of Jesus Christ out to these people. And so I want you to play some uh, Christian Christmas songs, and then I want you to play some that aren't Christmas, but that are well-known in the community, in the country, as a matter of fact. And this team came in. You guys helped me hire them, and they traveled to all three cities with us. Not only that, we were able to rent a bus And it it took our church band, which is called United. It started because it was different musicians, some of them not even Christian. I just started bringing them in and meeting them. And one by one, they started playing. And I said, together we're united under one name, and that name is Jesus. And so they love that, and they love anything that is English. So I gave it an English name, you know. I said, if I call it Unidos, they'd be like, oh, okay, thank you. But I said, United, ooh, we like our band name. So it was just phenomenal. You guys help us. You guys literally shipped 1,500 Christmas gifts down there. It got there. It was shipped in a container. It arrived in Venezuela. Not only that, you guys inspired some business people down in Venezuela, entrepreneurs, guys. And, and, and I told them, I said, listen, I got churches that don't even know you guys that have sent us gifts to give to some of your kids and some of the kids that are going to be visiting us this week. I said, if they're doing that, what can you do for your own city and your own country? I invited them. We had this VIP breakfast, and we cooked American waffles, and they loved that. (laughs) Baby, I love that. You know, I'm just... I mean, we put strawberries, my sister-in-law, which is a real chef. She got her chef outfit on, and I mean, we went five-star on them, and it was incredible, and all these guys wept as I showed a little video clip of what I wanted to do. I didn't even know, and I called it the sounds of Christmas. I had missionaries from all over the world send me little quick video clips greeting the people in Venezuela in the language of the country, Portugal, Spain, the U.S., and Italy, and many other countries. And they all greeted the people in Venezuela in these three cities. We went to three cities. They greeted these, so the cities hearing their city name by people in other countries and going, how do they know we're having this concert tonight? You know, I made it sound like this was a world-renowned event. You know, it was, it was, to me it was. And they all showed a video clip of what Christmas sounded like in that country, in Portugal. Oh, my goodness. You said, all these grandpas and grandma with these real weird hats on. It was like a polka or something like that. I don't know what it was. It's just, I'm glad I don't celebrate Christmas that way. That's all I'm going to say. After they played it and the Spanish one, they were like, ding, 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 all these, Hale! and all, it was awesome. Then I said, then the greatest sound of Christmas is the way Christmas sounds like in Venezuela. And boom, stays like go on. This group that we had uh, uh, done the contract with, they came on live. And just, you should have seen thousands of people change from a frown to a glow in their face. It's like, Wow. And they started looking at each other and going, it feels like Christmas. See, people in Venezuela have lost hope, have lost any hope at all that there's going to be change. The crazy thing is because they're hoping change is coming through politics. And I hope I ring a bell on somebody's heart today. But politics never changed anything. Only Jesus Christ can. And through this concert, we were able to share the joy of Christmas 
But not only that, we were able to also share the message of Jesus. Not religion. Not a man's perspective. We just opened up scripture and said, his name is Emmanuel. He doesn't expect you to go to him. He came to you. He made it that much easier for you and God to have a relationship. And it was just incredible. And, and not satisfied, you know, being a missionary, you, you're like, I got to get the message out just one more time. And so we invited them all. I said, if you want your gifts, here's a ticket. Bring your ticket in. I'm a smart guy sometimes. Uh, bring your ticket in and we'll give you your Christmas gift. Well, guys, you're, you're, the help you sent financial not only helped that you guys sent the gifts, 1,500. Think that's, that's just crazy. 1,500 gifts. That is awesome. With the money, we were able to buy some food. And then the, uh, these other business owners, all local business owners in all three cities, jumped up and said, hey, we want to be part of that as well. So they came in, and they brought in food, and we gave out dozens and dozens of food baskets to many needy family. Uh, we had a guy that we had gone to prison. We go to prisons on Saturdays and feed them. He had just been released. And he said, the first place I wanted to come to was the concert of the guys that came and visited us in prison. And he was there that night. He actually got one of the food baskets. Uh, I later on saw him at the liquor store and walked down. I said, Dude, what's going on? I said, did you sell the food for money and come here? He goes, no, no, pastor, my bad, my bad. I said, no, no, I'm not judging you. I said, what, what are you doing here? He goes, man, I hadn't drunk in a while. I was like, well, how about we meet up? And actually, what's crazy, we met with him a week later. And with the food we gave him, he made us food to eat with him that day. I'm telling you, the amount of people that are being reached is Incredible. And, and I got to look at you guys. That's, you guys stood up and gave me a, an applause. Man, I, I, don't, I don't think I've done enough to deserve that. But I need you guys to know how much your church, I spent part of this morning outside in the parking lot hugging people that are volunteers saying thank you because you've inspired our church in Venezuela to have smiling volunteers and a welcome. We, we use the little round signs and everything. I mean, it's just, I mean, I hope there's no copyright on that, Pastor Mike. <laughs> if not, I'm in deep trouble. But it, you, you have to imagine, we've got a team. And this, this, this team, this ministry is called the Motivators. That's all they do. They, they motivate. They'll, they'll come in the middle of the service sometimes yelling and holding their signs up and say, hey, just to all those with a frown on, turn it upside down. And, and they'll walk right out. Bunch of nuts. But I love it. I love it. Reni and Yasso is a couple. They lead that ministry. And I saw it the first time here when you guys were still called City Church. And it inspired me to do greater things. And I've told everyone, but now that I get a chance to have all of you here, thank you for inspiring me to even be better. Thank you for inspiring me with great ideas, with awesome smiles, with a warm heart to be the church that God wants us to be. Amen? I I, want to... I've got very few minutes. I've, I've just got a few minutes. But I need to share something with you that is so important. I believe it's important to me, but it's important to me because I believe it's important to our God. It's not important to certain religions. It's not important to certain people, but to God it is. And if something is important to him, I want it to be important to me. In the book of Mark... Chapter 16, verse 15, God gave a commission, not to the government, 
not to the pastors, not to the bishops or priests. I want you to, I want you to see this verse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, God's word says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Notice he didn't say only to America. He said the whole creation. Because his objective is that everything that has a breath, that it would praise the Lord. Thus, we need to get this message out to the whole creation. But I need you to understand that this doesn't happen on autopilot. You see, I was, I was, I was telling Pastor Kristen right now, as, we, as you saw the video of the line for gas, this is every day in, in every city and all across Venezuela. The fact is, I have spent my breakfast, lunch, and supper in the back, uh, the open door of my pickup truck, just sitting. And sometimes our tank is on empty, so we actually just keep it in neutral and just roll it and roll it. And we've spent sometimes at, at, at the most a day and a half to two days in the line to get gas. The line you saw actually crossed two cities. It went from the city of Cabudare and it crossed the, state line, the city line and went into the city of Barquisimeto. There's only three gas stations that have um, generators, backup generators. So when the power goes out, nobody can pump gas. And there's only three. So imagine a city of 2.5 million and another city of 1.2 million, both together using three gas stations. You get nuts. Next time you fill your gas, just say, thank you, Jesus. You know, and stop and get yourself a Snickers or something, cause, just because you can, you know, <laughs> or whatever you like, Kit Kat, or, you know, you may be weird like that. But <laughs> when you think about it, the people in Venezuela were not used to living this way. I'm not going to give you a history of, of Venezuela, but I'll give you a brief description. Venezuela still is one of the most wealthiest countries on planet Earth. The largest oil reserve, the largest gold reserve, the largest water reserve, one of the largest diamond reserves, has one of the largest reserves of uranium, titanium, and all the Anium brothers. <laughs> With all the wealth it's had, Venezuela got used to chilling, relaxing, and piggybacking off of all their wealth. Until the communists came in and decided to put the wealth in their own pockets. P politicians were stealing anyhow, but at least the people got some of it. Now people are getting none of it. That's what socialism does. And all of a sudden, people like you and me that go out to work every morning and come back every evening, but at least you feel slightly rewarded for the fact that what you worked, you got paid for. I just got back to the States three months ago. I'm leaving at the end of this month. On the 29th, we'll be landing in Venezuela. It took me three days to cross the border from Colombia, uh, from Venezuela to Colombia, just to be able to fly out because all the governments have shut their doors to Venezuela, so there's no flights going in or out. I got on a special secret flight that goes in once a month in and out of Venezuela. 
And on the radar, it doesn't actually say Venezuela. I believe it says Peru. So this is one of those hidden flights that I get to go on. And on the 29th, I'll be flying back. But in the three, and by then in a half months, let me explain to you how fast money has changed. Three months ago, one carton of 12 eggs cost half of a month's salary. A month and a half after that, it was to salary and a half for the same carton of egg. Today, it's five to six months of your salary for the same carton of egg. Imagine having to go out, working your hardest, giving it your all, even asking for overtime, but still getting paid $2.50 regardless. And every day, your two fifty is worth less and less and less and less. You get the same. The product is the same, but the price is radically changed. Let me tell you what starts happening. You start losing hope even in yourself. Like, man, no matter what I do, it's worth nothing. So after three, four months of this, you're like, why am I even working? So the majority of Venezuelans right now don't go or don't want to continue going to their regular morning to evening job. So now they're finding ways of selling things. They're grabbing things from their home and selling it. And, and they're just in, in a desperate mode trying to feed their family. And feeding your family is not a luxury. It's something that we would all consider a common responsibility. Something we all want to happen. But the people in Venezuela cannot afford anymore to feed their family. I have families in our church every day calling me, Pastor, my kids have not eaten in two days. Come on, come on. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to do it. We have 150 children that are fed every day. And I say 150 because there's at least 400 where we're doing it. But we, can, we only have enough food for about 150, 160. Some days it's 140. So many kids are having, we have to say, bye. Men, the majority of our volunteers don't even touch a, 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 a little bit of the food. It, it all goes out. People are frustrated. The suicide rate has escalated just in a proportion that you can't even, you can't calculate it. It's just going so fast. The sound of bodies dropping has now become common. You'll hear a wreck, you'll hear an accident, and then you'll hear a body thud, and you know, ooh, that person just gave his life. I had a dear friend that recently decided to jump into oncoming traffic because he could not support his family anymore. It aches. It hurts. So then it's my job, and they all come to me, Pastor, what do we do? So I've strived for the last few years to encourage them to bring God's word, his peace, his power, his provision in ways that we cannot even imagine. We've had churches like you send boxes of food or boxes of different things or money to buy food. And, and I thank you. Without this help, I know hundreds of people would not be eating today. Just had a, a church in Florida deliver 13 boxes full of macaroni and cheese and pastas and rice and beans and all that. So a lot of great things are happening in the midst, but here's where faith is colliding with our reality. Have you ever had that happen? Where your faith but the reality are almost like in contrast, it's so hard to even swallow the concept. 
because God's word says one thing and our reality is maybe pushing us to go in another direction. Well, I want to go back to this key verse I just mentioned to you. God told the church, go in all the world and take them my message, not your message, my message. Well, you might want to think, well, wait, hey, well, what's going on in Venezuela? Let's pause for a minute. You know, let's not focus on that. Let's just focus on survival. And then when things get better, then we'll do that. The thing is, there's so many people across the world that don't have the issues Venezuela's going, and they're already saying that. Well, you know what? Let me get things ready. Let me get things in order. Let me fix this up. Let me fix that up. And then I'll start going out and telling the world about Jesus. Let me retire. Let me, let me, let my kids graduate from college. Let this happen. Let that happen. There's a guy in our church, his name is Juan Carlos. And I told you, people like English names, English titles, English everything. A lot of people that wear clothes with English words that have no idea what they say, and I'm glad they don't because they'd be really embarrassed if they actually found out what they're wearing. But JC, which is what I call him, he sings in our worship team, tallest guy in our church probably, big old guy. He calls me my pastor, my pastor. Walks in like a big old hulk. He calls me, he goes, Pastor, I need your help. I need, I need to make a decision. I said, yes. We sat in my pickup truck and he said, Pastor, my construction company just got contracted by the government to do a job. He said, the job costs $500. And they said they wanted to hire me. They would give me the $500, which would cover the job, the materials, and my payment. Then they're willing to give me another 500 just for me. And then they, the, only, the only thing, here's the catch. The check is going to be written out for $10,000. And I've got to turn around and give them the 9000 back. See, these are corrupt, plugged-in people into the government. They're plugged into the government. So they're getting illegal, dirty drug money, corrupt, corruption money. So they're trying to launder it. They're trying to wash it out and, 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 and use it some other way. And it's funny, I'm going to give you another illustration. So JC had the concept, the, the, the offer of getting a really well-paid job. He would get so much money that it's not even funny. It would take care of him for at least three, four months. And it would feed his little girl for three, four months. And his wife for three, four months. And pay for the gas and many other things for three, four months. Well, something very similar is a lady in our church, Yamilet. Yamilet has two daughters and had a 17-year-old son. Her husband died a few years ago. He had cancer and he passed away. A few months before his death, he got saved. He gave his life to Jesus. Not, not that he joined the church. No, he gave his life to Jesus. And after that, Jesus started doing things in his life that he on his own had no desire to do in the past. And that's what giving your life to Jesus does. It's, it's not like you got to start doing this. It's let him have your life and he'll start doing things that you can't do. And Yamilet and her husband came faithful. He passed away. She was joyful, not in, because of his passing away, but because she knew she would see him again. But everyone in church called her the female Ninja Turtle because Fryan, her son, 17-year-old son, is handicapped. He has MS and many other issues in his, in, had in his body. So she carried him like a backpack. 
And so she looked like a ninja turtle. She looked like a big old shell on the back. Our church was so gracious about it. Sometimes he would, he couldn't contain his bowel movements in church and it would just happen right there sitting down and our volunteers would get up and, you know, I'm preaching and they'd just grab him and pick him up and the rest would mop and clean and they'd just sit there. It was, it was, it's incredible to see. I'm telling you guys are inspiring people to do amazing things. Thank you, StorySide. But she calls me, says, Pastor, my son is beyond sick. It looks like he's about to leave. Looks like he's about to pass away. I said, what can we do? Pastor, the, the, the doctors are telling me that if I give them $200 under the table, the hospital can't know. If, I, if they give them 200 US dollars, two or 300, I can't remember exactly, that they would take care of them. And I was like, oh, okay, don't worry, I'll, I'll follow the 200 and I'll find somebody to give it to me in cash and I'll pay them a little extra. I'll give you 250 and you give me 200. I was going to do everything. She said, but here's the catch. See, under Satan's pressure, there's always a catch to something. The offers, the, the, the options come with a catch. She said, Pastor, I'd have to lie and I'd have to steal. Well, what does that have to do with medicine and your son? Remember, socialism, no medicine in any pharmacy. We went all over the city and the other ones could not find the medicine he needed. They said, the medicine that they're offering me belongs to the patient that is beside my son. And they told me they'd take it and told this family that it was stolen so they'd have to go out and buy it again. This family had gone all the way to Columbia to buy it and brought it back. Then, then I was angry and then frustrated, then confused. and I studied a lot of things in seminary, but not this. So I didn't know how to react, and I prayed. I said, God, should we do it? Here's a pastor, and I'm asking God, should we steal? <laughs> this is what happened. They all remembered a verse, and I want to read it to you. It's in Acts, Acts chapter 5. Verse 42. It's the last verse in the Acts chapter 5. A few years ago, I got robbed at gunpoint. My motorcycle was stolen. I was beat. Gun put in my mouth. Gun put in my head. The same thing happened to all the other men that were in this place as we were fixing a bus, getting ready to go on a missions trip the next day. The words coming out of these guys' mouth was just evil. They wanted to kill someone. And they kept asking, is there one of them that we could kill, boss? Thankfully, no one was killed that day. But the fear I felt, I can't compare it to any other fear I felt before. A gun in my open mouth and the desire of someone else holding it, wanting to end my life. That's exactly what happened to the apostles in the book of Acts chapter 5. If you read it, I'll leave that as a homework. Read it when you get home. They were threatened to death several times if they ever mentioned the name of Jesus Christ again. And after being threatened, this is what happened. It's verse 42 that said, And every day in the temple or from house to house, they never ceased teaching or preaching that Christ is the Jesus, Jesus is the Christ. So after being threatened to death, 
they still decided to go out and tell the world about Jesus. Why? Because they understood that when Christ told us to go into the world, that his commissioning was powerful. JC, he turned the job down because he said, in order to accept this job, I've got to stop being the church. And that Christ asked me to be the church every day and everywhere. Mrs. Yamilet had to turn down the medicine and we all sat together as her, li- her son's life just faded away in front of us. That was hard for us to see. But her choice to be the church was greater than her need to save her own son's life. And I don't know about you, but I don't think there's any hospital here pointing a gun at you saying, you've got to pay us some extra money under the table so nobody knows and then we'll save your son. There's nobody pointing a gun to you or or there's nobody robbing you or there's nobody offering you an illegal job you've got to take. Matter of fact, I think we've got a lot of freedom here in this country to be children of God. The thing is, how many of this church are taking serious God's commission to us to be the church all the time, everywhere, and always tell the world that there is hope? Our church in Venezuela is growing in the midst of the nation's most difficult time, most darkest days, and it's only growing because they have now understood that Christ is enough. The hope that Christ offers is better than the illegal jobs or the life-saving of my child or whatever is being offered because the church is understanding that the commissioning that Christ gave us is above anything else in our lives. And so they have decided, we have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We've sung that in Venezuela and it sounds, He decidido seguir a Cristo. He decidido seguir a Cristo. He decidido, it's a decision. Seguir a Cristo. No vuelvo atrás. No vuelvo atrás. If the church in Venezuela can accept the commission over the church, then I don't see why the church here cannot do the same. We are his church, and he has commissioned us to reach the world for his glory. If you are here this morning, And you've heard of Jesus. You know he's real. And you know you don't have a relationship with him this morning. Please, for your sake, for your eternity's sake, for hope's sake, please accept his invitation to enter into a relationship with you this morning. Because he loved you before you even existed. He forgave you before you even knew you were a sinner. That's how much, that's how important you are to him. If you don't know him, please meet him this morning. And if you are the church and you say you know him, 
please walk out of these doors today understanding the mission field starts right out there where it says exit and it ends to the uttermost parts of the earth let's pray God I thank you this morning for your church I thank you and I praise you for saying in Matthew that you had all the power and that's why you commissioned us you didn't commission us to see what we could accomplish you commissioned us because you had already given us all the authority in the name of Jesus Christ Father we need you this morning to work in the lives of those that know you but are maybe failing in understanding that we are a church that has been commissioned by the creator of this universe to go to all the world starting across my street to the farthest country from me to reach these people with, for Christ and if you do not know him today don't you dare leave without letting him know that you want to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ today Father, I thank you. I praise you forever and ever for all you've done for us. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you let missionary Dan, Lucy, the boys know how much that you love them? Thank you, Jesus. Stay standing if you would. Uh, I text Nathan and Cody during service. Nathan and Cody, the kids team, our staff, worked hours on those 1,500 gifts and yes. trying to get them ordered into Miami and crates. And to see the pictures was worth it all. Uh, but thank you to everyone last Christmas who gave and was a part of that. Uh, amazing. And what a challenge today. Uh, to go out, I love that, the exit sign, your schools, your subdivisions, even hearing Dan say he loved us. Uh, he paid the price for our forgiveness long before we ever prayed a prayer of repentance. There's more people. It's the Great Commission. It's Commission Christianity. What I want to challenge you to do, story side, I don't know that we've done this a handful of times in what will be, be 17 years old next March, uh, but... Dan is getting ready to head back to the mission field. We were talking on the phone. We took Dan and Lucy and the boys shopping yesterday and was buying them new pairs of shoes and sweaters and shirts. And uh, we had a good time yesterday hooking them up. Uh, we love their family. And they were just sharing with me some of the needs that they have. They're, they're out of their time here. Uh, and so if you understand missions, they'll come back, give reports, updates, and present needs, and then go back. So there's three things that are still short. We, we have a bus uh, that they want to use for feeding and transporting people for what they're doing with these children and stuff. And on that, it was short about 4,500. Is that what it was? They also have a truck that carries the crates of food and things of that nature. And that was short about 4,000 as well. Uh, and then the final thing was is Dan actually flew to Miami. They drove all night to get here Tuesday night for the boys to practice flew to Miami on Wednesday to get 200 and 230 boxes of food onto crates to be to be sent, to be shipped over there. Uh, and they haven't paid for that. The company was kind enough to basically let it be an IOU and, and things of that nature. Uh, but it's $30 a box. And so 
Uh, I shared it on Thursday night. I want to share it with you. We support them every month, and we're going to do what we can. Uh, but those numbers are somewhere around that ten plus thousand dollars. And uh, I'm asking you as you exit today. There's going to be ushers at each door. But I'm asking you if you can write a check, if you can give, they leave tomorrow. Maybe some of you need to connect with us before they leave town. If you could run it through StorySide, that way you'll get your uh, giving credit for that. And we will uh, make sure that all of your gifts go to the RC family. If you want to text to give, you can just uh, tag your text giving online giving using the keyword missions. Uh, But we don't do this often, but I I have a heart for missions, and I believe you do too when you watch that uh, today. I love that StorySide has a heart not just to build our own church, but we believe in the kingdom of God. Uh, And so if you will be part of it today, I would love that. I had a guy, I haven't shared this with Missionary Dan yet, but I had a guy this morning makes $300 a week on average, $300 a week, messaged me this morning, said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I felt God tell me to give $1,000. Uh, and so I just want to challenge you today. Maybe it's a faith gift. Maybe it's a stretching gift. Uh, but what comes in, we're going to bless uh, the RC family. And so let's pray. Uh, to those that made a decision for Christ, I want to encourage you to stop by the black tent in the lobby. We'd love to give you a free book called Following Jesus. Helps you with uh, some of your next steps in your faith walk with God. Uh, but thank you for being here today, StorySide. Thank you, Missionary Dan. We love you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this amazing day today. Thank you for what you're going to do in Mount Vernon for their one-year anniversary there in the high school. Thank you for what you're going to do at 1045 when Ontario starts their service. Thank you for what you did here at 9 a.m. Thank you for the heart that we heard from today of Dan and his family. Thank you for what you're going to do at 1045 here in Belleville. I pray that throughout today we'll give you glory. I pray that you'll be pleased, whether it's here, whether it's Venezuela, that you'll be pleased with what we're doing with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, that it'll be pleasing in your sight. Bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, StorySide. Have an awesome day.